You're listening to Gospel-Centered Rest, a podcast by Grace Bible Church in Cambridge, Ontario, dealing with topics of life and theology, and how Christ's promise of rest for the weary and heavy-laden gives us strength for today and hope for tomorrow. We are back with Gospel-Centered Rest. I'm joined with Pastor David Robinson and Pastor Byron Burton, the one and only. Byron has his cat with him. You can't see it, but we can see it. It's hard, Tyler. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yes. It's not easy watching this cat just yeah. have his way and yeah. sit in Byron's shoulder. Yeah. He, um, I'm getting used to it. He is one patient guy. Uh, unbelievable. Byron, you must be a cat person. Actually, we never, ever had cats growing up. Oh. Lucinda did though. Well, so we've you have used one to now the for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you got two cats. <laughs> well, I can't. Uh, I can't think of a better segue. Um, actually, I probably could think of a lot better segues <laughs> into our podcast. Listen, if people are still listening, they are. They are. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. They came for the cat. Um, <laughs> but today we're actually we're going to be shifting gears a little bit from uh from some of the things that we've been talking about but still trying to relate what we're talking about to to what we're facing as a society as a culture as a church but this past sunday we started a new series into the book of acts and what a book it is packed full of action and all kinds of um all kinds of things going on in the book of acts now Byron, would you mind just giving us just a brief 20, 30 second picture of what's happening in Acts? It's, it's like the snowball started down the hill. Um, Luke says, okay, I've already told you about what Jesus began to do, basically up until the point that he left. Now he says, let me tell you the rest of the story. Let me tell you what Jesus kept on doing through the apostles, through the work of the Holy Spirit. And he starts telling the stories, the, the memories, the things that people experienced, what happened as this belief, this sect as they were seen, started to spread and impact people. So he basically just tracks through it. He's not trying to tell us everything that happened, but you see the spread just as Jesus predicted, mm -hmm. starting in Jerusalem, going out to Judea, to Galilee, to Samaria, and beyond. And he just tracks that through the book of Acts. So it's almost like Luke part two. Uh, he's already given us part one, and now he's ready to tell us more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and Acts is no small book. Like, it's 28 chapters. And it is, it is one of those books, there are portions of it that are up for hot button debate, if that's what you want to call it. Uh, different people have different ideas as to what's happening in different sections of the book. There's even, there's even a, lot of, um, a lot of different opinions as to how much of the book can we apply to the church today. Now, David, why, why do you think this is such an important book for us to be looking at at this time? Why, when you're sitting in your study, praying about it, talking to the Lord, seeking his guidance and wisdom, was it the book of Acts that, that you thought this is a good direction for us to go as a church? Yeah. Uh, 
For two reasons, um, as was mentioned in the sermon this past week, first of all, because we're in a new location. Mm-hmm. And uh, a new location as a church can be intimidating. Um, but uh, Acts gives us this boldness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, during the pandemic, um, there's uh, even more so in, in the pandemic, uh, Acts focuses on Christ. Yeah. And I just love that. I think, and because the spirit focuses on Christ. Um, and during our study in the book of Acts, we'll talk about some of the charismatic gifts. And sometimes when we go to the book of Acts, we think it's about the charismatic mm-hmm. gifts. And it's not to discount, and it's not to say that that's not a discussion. But if that's what we walk away with, we've really missed. I mean, we'll see this coming Sunday, Lord willing, in Acts 2. Um, we think Peter's going to talk about the spirit because he starts off with Joel 2. But he just talks about Christ um, because the Spirit reveals Christ um, to us again and again. So uh, what unifies us as a church, um, even though we're scattered for a while? Um, it's, it's the Spirit drawing us together around the message of Christ. And mm-hmm. uh, our church needs that. Uh, my heart needs that mm-hmm. as we start um, uh, in a new place as a church and also as we go through the lockdown mm. and the pandemic and uh, being gathered around Christ is a place mm. of rest. And what a great thought. When you think about what's happening here in the book of Acts, Jesus has just ascended into heaven to be at the Father. And it's almost like the disciples and the church in its, ex- in its very um, uh, early existence could have thought, oh, what are we going to do? You know, our leader is gone. Um, But Jesus has been promising, as you said, promising um, the coming of the Spirit, which would unite believers, unite the church, and continue on the work of the gospel. So very applicable to today. No matter what's happening, the gospel, uh, Jesus is uniting us through the work of the Spirit. The continuation of the gospel happens regardless. And I love also how the book of Acts kind of becomes this backdrop picture of what's going on historically as you're reading through the New Testament, because we we understand that there's pieces of Acts that are kind of happening um, throughout uh, even the writings of some of the epistles and different things like that. So it gives us some really good context as to what's actually happening here in the start of the early church. Now, when you think about this book, the Acts of the Apostles, David, what is it about the Apostle story that you think is so important to us today? We talked about the Holy Spirit being in us, uniting the church, but what is it specifically about these men and their story that relate to us? Yeah, it's a good question because we didn't we didn't cover this in uh, Acts 1, uh, 15 to the end of the chapter, but some people will ask the question, whether the church made a mistake uh, or the the apostles made a mistake in choosing Matthias. So should they have waited for Paul? Uh, And sometimes that becomes the question. And as we read in the text, uh, the apostles didn't uh, make a mistake Mm -hmm. because we read in verse 16, brothers and sisters uh, from the Christian Standard Bible, it was necessary that the scripture be fulfilled that the Holy Spirit through the mouth of David foretold about Judas who became a guide uh, to those who arrested Jesus. And then we'll read as, as that goes on. So, so, the, so scripture says it's necessary um, that the 12th be um, chosen. 
so they were just fulfilling scripture. Uh, if we were to go on and read that, we would read uh, two Psalms are quoted, Psalm 69, and I think it's Psalm 109. And in both of those Psalms, uh, David is surrounded by his enemies. And um, there's really no reason for his enemies to hate him. Uh, but, um, uh, and so um, he calls for judgment upon the enemies. And so what we read is um, God comes, judges uh, the enemies, uh, and that applies to Judas because Judas, um, as someone put it, um, did the greatest treachery in the world. Mm. Uh, he betrayed Jesus. So even in those Psalms, uh, even though it's, we might say, well, how is that applicable? Um, there's a typology going on in the Psalm itself where scripture is fulfilled that Judas becomes the enemy of God, uh, enemy of the greater David. And uh, therefore Judas, it's important, this story is important, not only that Judas was punished, um, but Judas also lost his ap uh, apostolic rank mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and another filled it. Um, and I think that's important because in Acts 1, it also takes time to tell us what an apostle is. And an apostle, um, as we read in Ephesians, is the foundation upon which the church is built, Jesus, the chief cornerstone. Um, so 12 tribes, 12 apostles, the fullness of God's people. Um, and it helps us in our bold witness because um, the witness is not just the Holy Spirit witness mm -hmm. uh, as he worked in the hearts and personalities and lives of those who would write. Um, but we also have the history of those who saw mm -hmm. uh, the resurrection of Jesus heard the teaching of Jesus, saw his ascension. Um, it says in Acts that, uh, you know, for 40 days, Jesus gave many convincing proofs. So the role of the apostles is important um, because it, it connects um, us directly to eyewitnesses. Mm. Um, and then carried by the Holy Spirit uh, um, is just this amazing confidence that we have that the word of God that we hold is the very word of God. And, Jesus is historical and the New Testament church is historical. And this is not some fable yeah. uh, that the world tries to convince us. So that segment is actually really important. Um, there needed to be a 12th apostle. Um, Judas needed to, needed to lose his apostolic rank. And the New Testament church centuries later needed uh, to know the historicity and the connection, the direct connection we have to the history through eyewitnesses. Great. I know that's yeah, a lot. No, it's good. Um, but there, that's all to say that we would lose all of that yeah. if, um, if Matthias was um, a mistake yeah. and uh, somehow, and you know, even Paul says his apostleship is uniquely born. Yeah. Um, so there's a uniqueness to his apostleship that, um, um, so yeah, that, that's valuable. Byron, when you, when you consider these apostles, uh, you, can, you consider even um, Matthias's life and you consider, you know, you consider even the apostle Paul, we can throw him in there um, because he, he's in this, he, he's in the book of Acts. Uh, you consider Luke, all these followers of Jesus that were so close to Jesus that had this special, this special rank of apostle. Um, what is it about their life and their experiences? And I know there's probably so much we could say about this, but what is it about their life and their experiences 
that's um, so important for us today that we can learn from in their example that would encourage or even exhort us in our own relationship with the Lord? I'm, I'm thinking, as David's pointed out, at the end of chapter 1, verse 21, when they, they give the criteria for who can be a candidate here, it is incredibly high. Mm-hmm. They say, one who has been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism. So there was lots of people, most people, just could not meet that because it was so important that they had heard everything that Jesus said. They had been with him right through the beginning. They'd seen all the miracles. They'd heard all the teaching. And you think, well, why? Why couldn't it have been somebody that just said, yeah, I saw him alive yesterday. I know he's alive. That would be a witness of the resurrection. But that wasn't enough because our whole faith, everything that we believe is built on these 12 people and their solid confidence, their assurance, their certainty that what they say, what they tell us, what they taught was true, that Mm -hmm. they'd seen it all, that this eyewitness, and so it undergirds my faith, because it's not how I feel, it's not dependent on me. It's this confidence that these were chosen by God for this we have seen it role, this witness role. And that's what we all rely on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Paul talks about point, that. Right in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, he goes back and says, you know, this is the basis of the faith. Here are the, the bottom line. You boil it down. We might disagree on lots sort of externals and peripherals and, you know, secondary matters or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that core, this is what, and he says, if it's not true, forget it. If it's not true, Christian, Christians should just be pitied. And obviously, a lot of people have come to that conclusion. They think it's not true. They think Christians are a pitiful bunch. Well, I know it is true because of the factual basis of what these men saw and heard and taught. And so we can have confidence. Great. Sorry, David. And to your point, it, no, that's good. And to your point, I just acts as a, a book of the resurrection. Yeah. And that's why yeah. um, it's a book that's filled with hope. And, um, you know, we read biographies today where the biographers uh, um, interview directly uh, those who they're writing the biography about. Um, and we would say, okay, that's, that's a trustworthy biography. Uh, and that's essentially what we have with uh, the Word of God. Um, the Gospels and Acts, uh, we have those who directly heard uh, Jesus. So it's, it's a tremendous encouragement. And then some, just if I can ask, I uh, just say this question sometimes comes up because uh, they couldn't choose between two men, yeah. uh, Justice and Matthias, um, so they cast lots. <laughs> and that's yeah. always kind of an interesting thing because, man, would that ever be nice to just say, oh, I, but I, I think what we end up doing sometimes is doing something very similar. Um, in other words, when you read the passage, it looks like they, there were two men that they could just not choose between. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's not like they started off with lots. Um, they went through the requirements. They used wisdom. Uh, they prayed, all of that. 
Um, and there are these two men that they just could not. Uh, and then, and so what we read is, um, it was at that point that they cast lots. Uh, and, um, and then because uh, the Lord, the Lord um, would direct their, they believe that the Lord would direct their choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, because there, there's no random event in the universe ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think um, that's also instructive. Uh, you know, like the Lord at that point didn't say, no, you're doing the wrong thing. Uh, just wait till another guy comes yeah. along. Um, obviously, um, Matthias was the one. But it also shows us that when we come to understand God's will, uh, we do the best we can. And then uh, there is a sense in which we may not actually cast physical lots, but in our minds cast a lot and say, Lord, just lead yeah. me in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I, I don't know. They're both good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so what, what, what is the best? <laughs> and, um, and what the apostles did is they trusted God um, in the theology that there's nothing random. And some people get really upset about not knowing God's will. And, but sometimes knowing God's will is a matter of trusting God as our Father, uh, Christ as our shepherd, the Spirit as our, uh, the one who leads us in wisdom and, and all mm-hmm. of that. So... Um, yeah, yeah. I, I just I love how that's played out. Yeah, it's almost um, like there's a sense in which it's we're... almost like they're kind of saying um, you really can't go wrong either way with either one of these guys. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. and, they and God ultimately yeah, chooses. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Perfect. And yeah. and I think I think to that point of God's will and things like that, uh, we we kind of see a theology here of God's will played out practically. They were doing things according to God's principles, God's biblical principles. They were doing, they were, tr- they were finding these men according to these principles. And at the end of the day, they had to make a choice based off of um, God's sovereign choice, really, through, through the casting of lots. But sometimes in our own lives, we... Um, like you're saying, David, we think that God's will is like this magical, um, obscure thing for us to find. And, and here it's very plainly showing us it's, it's following the principles of, of, of the gospel of the truth of God's word and making a decision based off of that and allowing and just trusting that, that the sovereignty of the Lord is, is, is going to be played out. Um, cause sometimes we have great options on the table and any one of the options might be a bad might be might be um a good one um because they're all equal so uh, i just like how that's yeah, here sometimes too. we really hesitate like we, we just we kind of get frozen because we're afraid to make we're going to make the right. wrong choice and uh god's going to be upset with us but it's um a, a lot of knowing god's will um is having confidence mm-hmm. in the character mm-hmm. of god um, he he will lead us, and that's part of the boldness and without mm-hmm. hindrance. Um, and and I think Acts one sets the stage for the rest of the, the you know the establishment of the church, where there's all sorts of redemptive historical events taking place: resurrection, death, resurrection of Christ, coming of the whole, or the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit. Acts two, Pentecost. I mean, these are major one-time events yep. um, that that have taken place. Um, and God is leading and God is directing. And that's the beautiful thing. Uh, and we'll see that this coming Sunday again, that we'll see in Acts, we see human responsibility and the sovereignty of God. And sometimes human responsibility can get really discouraging when we see the um, opposition and the hardships and just the tiredness of the Christian mm-hmm. life. Um, but throughout the book of Acts, you have this picture. It's like the heavens are ripped open and you see the sovereignty of God 
and you see God at work and it's just like at those times it's like okay that's why we go forward and that's what makes um, that's what makes knowing God's will so powerful God will lead his people that's what makes the advancement of the gospel so powerful yeah. God will lead his people um, there is no hindrance mm -hmm. uh, before God it's not it's not like the opposition of the Roman Empire or the you know, today, whatever the opposition may look, that's not hindering God. Um, God is God's will will be done, um, and, and that's why we're taught to pray. I think, I think too. There's a, there's another theme that we see throughout the Book of Acts and throughout the New Testament that maybe we can just spend a few minutes just talking about um, before we close things off for today. But you see these men; they're not they're not running out looking for a fight. They're not uh, running. A, you know, running to um, to destroy the Roman Empire and to take down everything, everything that's wrong in the world. They're just preaching the gospel. They're preaching that resurrection that we were just talking about. They're preaching the truth about who Jesus is, and they're boldly doing so. And that in, in and of itself is bringing um, challenges and difficulties. And these, these men, all of them, I'm pretty sure, uh, end up being put to death for their faith because of their preaching, their preaching of, of the gospel. And I think that in, that can also be something for us to, for us to consider and for us to keep in mind that even just the plain preaching of the gospel is offensive enough and is um, challenging enough to the culture that's around us um, that it will bring on persecution. It will bring on challenges. It, it will bring on issues. So, in, in that sense, Byron and David, either one of you can answer this. How do you see that applying to the message of what we see out there today? Yeah, I think it's something that we've been trying to talk a lot about at Grace is, you know, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's sickness, um, whether it's legitimate opposition, um, the spirit and the word, the, the, the word cannot be contained because um, the spirit cannot be contained. Um, the sovereignty of God cannot be, um, cannot be demolished. Uh, the work of Christ will not stop. Uh, the gates of hell will not prevail. Mm -hmm. And that is something that we need to be reminded of again and again. Not just in a pandemic, but there's lots of people who are suffering. And even in suffering, um, how many testimonies do do people share not only of their growth during suffering, but also their witness increased during suffering? Mm -hmm. um, and that's acts. Acts cannot be contained. Um, it cannot be slowed down. It's beautiful. Yeah, sure is. Byron, would you like to add anything too? I'm, I was just thinking how, what a difference chapter two makes and how, uh, again, it's it's leading into these acts of the Holy Spirit as he works through the apostles wasn't the first time Peter preached. Um, they had gone from town to town talking about the good news and doing miracles and all these sorts of things and wonderful things had happened. But as Acts 1 shows, they're an incredible minority at the beginning. There's like a hundred people. Uh, it's not like Jesus had these huge groups that were committed to following him. And yet in chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit comes and he preaches, what's the difference? Well, it's just staggering, the difference. What The difference is what the Holy Spirit does with the message. 
and applies it to people's hearts. So it says like 3,000 plus people are changed when they've had all these crowds wanting Jesus crucified. All of a sudden you've got all these people whose hearts are changed. Well, it's God that does it. Mm. And I think so true for us. It's God who's going to use us. We're not in control of the results. We do the best we can, seeking to honor him, follow his ways. And, and I think you could argue the same even from chapter one. They followed what the Old Testament pattern was. They, they knew everything uh, or did what they understood. They looked at the scriptures, they followed them. Um, and God honored that. Mm -hmm. And then in chapter two, the Holy Spirit comes and the way he works his will is staggering. So when we're cooped up, when we look around and we say, well, you know, what's happening? When people are wondering, is God doing anything? Why is God letting this happening, etc.? Well, you can bet they'd been asking the same questions, right? That's what they had been struggling with, that they were praying for, but they were trusting God that he will keep his word and he will do what he said. And they see the beginnings of what was a worldwide movement. Great. I just want to give a cat update that the cat has left. <laughs> the cat has left. So <laughs> evidently, the cat got bored. <laughs> so this <laughs> the cat had enough of you, Byron. Our, uh, he moves on. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, let me uh, let me just close close with this. Then, um, when when we consider even Peter in his in his epistles and how he brings out the point that that we have something much better than the experiences of even seeing these miraculous things happen and you could put the book of acts in that in, in that category and peter himself uses um uses uh the illustration of when he was on the mount of transfiguration with with uh with jesus and he was seeing elijah and moses um he says that that the sheer word of god the the Enduring word of God is much better than the experiences that he even had as an apostle, and I think that 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 just also becomes uh, becomes something that we just need to think about as we're going through this book, uh, through the book of Acts. We can think, well, you know, the apostles had something we didn't. These people in the book of Acts, they had an experience that we didn't, and so when they faced hardship, they faced difficulty. Um, they could just remember that time that they saw Jesus walking around and we can't, we can't think of that. Um, but we have something far better. We have the actual living active word of God. And he says this, that because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable and first Peter chapter one through the living and enduring word of God for all flesh is like, is like grass and all its glory like a flower of the grass, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. And that's the message we see in the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. yeah.